1: The base is dropped on a new edition of Soccer Down Here. It's a Thursday morning edition. Just to catch everybody up on uh, the update from yesterday, this is going to be our last morning show of the week. We do have a live show tonight from New Realm Brewing in Atlanta. That's going to be our weekend preview show. That's where we will go through the MLS Cup matchups, playoff matchups, and juice boxes and all the different things going on with that that will be tonight at six o'clock you can watch it live you can save it for the morning if you want if you really want a show in the morning there you go it'll just be recorded uh tomorrow morning mike and i are putting together the countdown to kickoff show with atlanta united and at&t we are interviewing carlos bocanegra he will be our guest on the show. We'll preview everything about Atlanta and NYCFC, uh, and that will be uh, taping in the morning. So I will not be available for a morning show. However, Mike and I talked yesterday, and we are going to do something special we haven't had a chance to do this season because we're going to get to Yankee Stadium really early, just the timing of everything. So we're going to do a probably 30 to 45 minute Q&A Before the lineups come out, before we're on air, very early, probably in the 12 o'clock hour on Sunday, to get you ready for Atlanta and NYC. That'll be a special Sunday edition, short edition, from Yankee Stadium ahead of Atlanta and NYC. That's your programming schedule the rest of the week. Programming schedule today, Nico Moreno will join us at 10.30 to talk MLS Cup playoffs really look at the Western Conference. We've talked a lot about the East so far this week. We'll talk about the Western Conference today with Nico Moreno starting at 1030. We got lots of odds and ends, John, to get into this morning because we're kind of in that weird phase where we didn't have national team games yesterday in the extended international window. So Kind of a little bit of downtime. I mean, even our Picks of the Week game today got delayed again in Nepal. Oh,
2: we no! Had a
1: game from Nepal. That has been delayed until next week, so that one's off Wait, the board. He's
2: not playing the police?
1: No, the league got delayed. Thanks, Jarrett, for just oh. parachuting in. I was wondering where you were.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I, was, I was hoping that the, uh, that the Sunday surprise would be like you and Mike getting to take BP at Yankee Stadium. Um,
1: no, I think they've actually put the baseball stuff away. So uh, I think we're we're, we're not going to be allowed to do that. But we will be in there very, very early. But chasing after Jeter, Yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: mean, that makes sense. It's a team that couldn't... Uh, yeah, they yeah. had in their season a little bit earlier than, than some teams. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. I completely understand. They did. You know, we can't all play into November.
1: That's one reason I've been trying to stress that the pitch should be in great, great shape. Because they've had plenty of time to relay it and make it look... Amazing because they haven't had any baseball there in a while, you know. A little bit of shade, it's okay. Um, but yeah, we'll have the Sunday morning or Sunday probably afternoon brunch show with uh, me and Mike from the stadium. Um, I'll try as I walk in, I'll try to take some pictures and post them on my Instagram of of some of the things because we walk through the concourse when we go in. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's some really cool stuff there. Of course, it's not the original Yankee Stadium. It is uh, Yankee Stadium. Is this technically 2.0 or 3.0 3 is it 3 you, yeah cuz you had the old old yankee stadium then the renovations
3: with the old one made it 2.0 and then this okay. one across the hall is 3.
1: 1.0 wasn't around very long right it mm-hmm. was 2.0 that was around for like ever yeah okay just making sure um but yeah i'll, I'll try to take some pictures of, of stuff cuz it's it's look i as a sports fan i was really excited to go do my first game from yankee stadium um calling it now there i mean look it's a playoff game so it's going to be huge and the atmosphere should be pretty good it's a little hard from our vantage point to call it in a traditional way because we are very far away from the action um john you called games from cool ray field jerry you i think you called a game from cool ray field if i'm not mistaken um you guys remember you did not okay um but you you went to cool ray so you know and you were pretty much like a couple doors down from where we were so you know what the view was it's not like that at yankee stadium that's what's kind of weird about it because there it was weird because you were like on the corner flag but you were at least close to a corner yeah (laughs) at yankee stadium you're not really that close to anything so i mean I'm looking at the field for very big picture stuff, but I'm calling it from the monitor for the most point because it for the most part because it's just you're very far away from the field <laughs> in the booth. It's very difficult. Um it's a weird it's a weird place to call a game from, I think in some seats it's a really weird place to watch a game from. But generally The games that I've been there for, I was not there in 2017, Uh, we didn't travel that year, but the games I've been there for have generally been good, entertaining games with good atmosphere and also a good number of Atlanta United fans there. Uh, I think the game in 2018, the early start uh, that was brad gazan standing on his head a great goal from joseph and then an equalizer late for new york i think there was a uh i want to say like a, a uga alumni event there so there were a huge number of of georgia folks who were supporting atlanta united that time so it was a lot of fun um it's a it's a weird weekend coming up with with getting back into this with mls Cup. thank you emilio i'd Oh, okay. I didn't think... I, I, would, I wouldn't have separated it that way. I thought 1.0 was very short, and then 2.0 was... I don't know. I, I don't know how they classify the renovations with Yankee Stadium and when it becomes a 1.0 or 2.0 situation. Interesting. Um, you guys can go deep into your baseball history. Jared, you might want to join that. I know you, you enjoy that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I'll jump in. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I can move over to the Discord and y'all can uh, fight it out in the other sports category. Um <laughs> Am I allowed in that channel? Yes, you're allowed in that channel. You're just not allowed in the food and drink channel. Um, just checking. You, you probably shouldn't be in there at all. You definitely can't post in there. If I ever see you post in food and drink, it's going to get deleted immediately. And you might get banned for a while. Understood. Yeah, I mean, that's, just, that, that's for everybody's safety. Yes. Um, there is some news on the MLS front not related to the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, John does go on Discord occasionally, Sean, when he remembers how to actually log into it. I think he's posted like three times. That Chicago Fire might have a new manager, uh, according to Hot Time in Old Town, the SB Nation outlet for the Fire. Uh, Ezra Hendrickson is going to be hired as the next head coach. They'll have to agree to terms, finalize the paperwork. Everything's going in the right direction, though. Hendrickson beat out Ante Razov, uh, former Fire legendary forward, and Sporting Kansas City two head coach Paulo Nagamura. Uh, The Fire wanted a head coach with MLS or Liga MX experience. Hendrickson brings a lot of experience, not as a manager, but as a player and as a coach. Uh, 25 years as a player and a coach. That's almost the entire run of Major League Soccer, by the way. Uh, He's won 15 major trophies as a player or an assistant. Was part of the 2020 MLS Cup winning staff with Columbus, 49 years old, originally from the St. Vincent and Grenadines been an assistant with the Galaxy. He's been an assistant with St. Vincent and the Grenadines national team. He's been an assistant with the Seattle Sounders, head coach of Sounders 2, which is now Tacoma Defiance from 2014 to 2018. Ezra Hendrickson appears to be the next manager of the Chicago Fire. And, you know, Jared, it's funny where MLS is kind of going. And it feels like every league goes through these spin cycles of, uh, you know, in we're going to go hire managers from other leagues let's go hire managers from other leagues let's go bring in international talent let's all go do that then wait a minute let's promote assistants let's promote these assistants and give them the opportunity here feels like mls is now in that hey wait a minute we've got some really good assistants in this league that we should probably give an opportunity to be a head coach atlanta did it with gonzalo pineda now it looks like chicago is
2: going to do that with ezra hendrickson but i like that we're going in this direction um because you've got guys who understand the league and understand, um, especially in some of these cases, understand healthy culture and longevity. I think that's important. You want to have a guy who, yeah, it's, it's great to bring in a big name. Um, it's great to swing big at times. Uh, but sometimes if you're trying to kind of get things set, and especially in Chicago's case where Chicago hasn't had stability since. Ooh, buddy, it's been a minute. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time Chicago had, like, stability for more than a year at a time where mm. things where things were kind of sideways.
1: 1998, um, which was the first year of the team.
2: There you go. They won the cup that year. That's just being mean. Um, That's true. Uh, but you have, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> but you haven't really had that stability and that culture you can ingrain. Now, are you asking this person to be the next Peter Vermes Not necessarily, but you have someone who is coming from a stable organization, and who can kind of bring some of those traits over and who has who kind of sharpened their teeth. And, yeah, you're right. We do go through this with a lot of different sports. And that's fine because that's how you're going to find some of these guys who I think you look around and you go, wow, so-and-so really deserves a shot. They just haven't gotten that opportunity yet. Well, here you go. Now that person has a shot. doesn't mean you can't swing big or someone else won't swing big. But when you're trying to instill, I think, some stability and some culture, it's not a bad move to make.
1: I didn't have a more epic sounder for this one. Uh, I believe Ricky found it first. Thomas posted it on the Twitch pitch. Uh, Gianluca DiMarzio is reporting this as of 1 a.m. this morning, our time. So about eight hours ago. Uh, New... Ronald Komen and Frank Boer are in ongoing talks to become the new Manchester United head coach and assistant coach, respectively, if Ole and his team is sacked by the end of this week. John, your reaction? And good morning. <laughs> okay. That's um, not a reaction. Give me more.
3: I just, well, um, you know, as I'm processing this with, with that big swoosh, You know, we were all wondering what the direction was going to be if, you know, who is out there for a a Manchester United if you were going to disassociate yourself with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ronald Koeman, and Frank DeBoer. That's that's an interesting one, too, Uh, if it happens. I mean, because this is where I, I go back and forth on this. It's like we were wondering, okay, what are the names out there? With Ronald Koeman leaving Barcelona. Now Koeman obviously, apparently, uh, let's say apparently, wants to get back into coaching in Manchester United. That's one of those marquee places where you sit there and it's like, yeah, I want to jump at Manchester United. So interesting notion, having Frank going in as a possible assistant coach. Uh, like I said, I, I, I am intrigued. My palace intrigue is at an 11 over this one. This That's very interesting from Gianluca Marcio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um Jarrett, you know, we, we've we've talked about Ole and Manchester United for a while here. Um, here's the, the situation where they're at, and they've blown this, which is not a surprise if you followed Manchester United really since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. They they've blown this so badly that now they might be stuck. Ole is not going to survive. All of this. He's not. There, there's no way. You can't have the losses that he's had recently. You just can't. It's it's not. He's not long for the job. Let's put it that way. I think that might be the, the fair wording here. Okay. You had the opportunity to get Antonio Conte, who was the biggest name out there. Really the only big name out there. They didn't. They balked at the transfer kitty that was required of 250 million euro they didn't really get back to him he said okay fine I'll go to somebody who who will agree to spend this kind of money now of course I know Spurs fans are like yeah but they never spend this money let's see if he spends this money but that's he's at least been promised they're going to spend the money Manchester United didn't even return the calls it sounds like so now Manchester United knowing that Ole wasn't long for the job knowing that Zinedine Zidane was an absolute long shot now it sounds like his wife doesn't want him to go to Manchester. That's according to reports out of Spain. This is what you're you're left with. And it is being left with. I mean, I, I think Ronald Coleman did a good job last year with Barcelona with what he had to work with and all the chaos. I think he did a, a, a very good job there. But then ob- it was obvious at the beginning of this season because they tried to replace him in the summer and he couldn't find anybody to take it. It was obvious he wasn't long for the job. He's going to go in there and with... Frank, as an assistant, like can they be better than Ole? Yeah, I think they can. Are they what Antonio Conte would have been? No. No, I don't think so because, I mean, frankly, Coleman and Conte have both managed in the Premier League and one's got a trophy and one doesn't. Pretty simple. But if you're going to move on from Ole now and you missed out on the big fish Antonio Conte, I guess this is the best option on the on the board.
2: I guess Jarrett, is that fair?
0: Um,
2: I'm curious I, if this is what happens. I want to see what the terms of the contract are. Are they into this year, rolling going forward, and we'll reevaluate after the season to see who might be available. Ooh, I wouldn't take that uh, job does... if I'm
1: if I'm Coleman and Frank. I'm not taking it unless I'm getting at least a couple of years. Yeah, a year and, and a half it, at 12,
2: least, yeah. Is it 12 to 18 months with a, hey, maybe we'll see who's free after the World Cup in 2022? Because um, you know, I'm with you. Like I'm not taking that if it's like a rolling six-month deal where, hey, uh, we might hand it to you in January, but then we're going to just kind of see what happens at the end of the season to see if we renew you. Because I think the Braves did that to Brian Snicker for a couple of years. It was like, you're your manager this year. Ah, you can come back. Yeah, ah, you
1: can come back, but that's um, different because it, Snicker it didn't is. have leverage, and I don't know how much it Coleman is. does, but he's got more um, than Snicker would have in that kind of situation.
2: He he has leverage, I think, in the sense that Manchester United desperately wants to put pull the finger on that put the finger on that button and hit the little red button, but they need to have someone in place, and Ronald Coleman is sitting there saying, "I can be that someone in place." And you can get someone who has coached at this level and just coached Barcelona and got more out of Barcelona. And I'll defer to four card, uh, for more input on that as our resident, uh, Barcelona sufferer, he got more out of Barcelona than I expected. And that's, you know, now you can say, Hey, I can be that guy who can come in and kind of keep your ship from sinking into the bottom of the North Atlantic, but it's going to cost you. So I think he does have some leverage on that front. Um, this does ruin the idea of <laughs> just put Frank DeBoer in charge of the youth academy. Just just let just let just let Frank build your academy. Well, that was uh, the
1: idea at Newcastle, but they're not going to go with Overmars. Yeah. It seems like so that that was gone for a while now, unfortunately.
2: Well, Manchester United can do that too. I mean, come on, um, Manchester, rebuild yeah. your, you know, get, get your academy kicking back into gear.
1: Yeah, they could, but they have so much money; uh, they're just going to go spend it elsewhere.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it but to me, it just feels like a matter of um. A matter of, of, Coleman can sit there and say, I know you want to fire him. You want to fire him yesterday. I'll be that guy to step in, but you're going to do it my way under my terms. If you want me, here are my terms. You're going to have to meet them, and I will be the guy who will step in. But otherwise, you're going to have to find somebody else.
1: It's going to be fascinating. Uh, it's going to be very, very fascinating. Um couple of things twitch pitch is is all over the map just like we are this morning with all kinds of different things uh modiflo asked if the jersey behind me is a look into what we're wearing on sunday i don't know yet actually I, i don't know it was what we wore in the last game and it hasn't been replaced that's where i've been in the last few weeks so it's there um i generally think we have worn Red or black, or red and black stripes, or our current black kit.
2: The, some variation of that color scheme. Or, or the third kit, because of New York's propensity to wear that light blue. Yeah, at home.
1: I, I I think, in general, we've worn stripes there, so we'd wear the black kit there this time. Um, I think, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, so stay tuned. But yeah, it is no peek into anything, because I don't know anything.
2: Which uh, You're welcome, Jason, because it won't be the... Uh, it won't be the uh, the, the white kit that that's damn near impossible they're, to read from an angle.
1: They're far yeah. enough away anyway. It's not like I'm going to be able to see it if they're you know <laughs> wearing a kit with neon numbers on a on a black shirt. I'm not going to be able to see anything. Jason's
3: over in Staten yeah. Island calling a
1: game in the Bronx at Basically, this point. Basically. Let me call it from the monitor. Yeah. Um, chaos. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, burned on MLS coaches. He said, I think it's become obvious MLS is not a league for systems coaches. I mean, mostly due to Roster restrictions that prevent quick changeover of squads can't hire a, and if you can't hire a systems coach anyway, you may as hire you may as well hire a domestic coach and avoid paying a premium for foreign coaches plus risk non-adaption like hindsight et cetera. I kind of go the other way and I, I, I was typing it up. I I think you can have systems coaches because I think you have systems in MLS that are systems like Red Bulls, uh, Philly, Sporting Kansas City now. Sporting Kansas City, Peter Vermes has been there forever, and he's adapted, too. I mean, system in the sense of being a 4-3-3 team, and they've been that forever to the point that it's part of their branding around their stadium and and marketing and everything, but he's adapted the way the 4-3-3 works. Philly has adapted over time with Jim Curtin and the way that they play their style. Red Bulls is Red Bulls. They've had different flavors of it with different managers. I think you can't have systems. I, I disagree with that comment. I, I think... What it comes down to, though, is knowledge of the league in MLS is very, very important. And not for the generic reasons of like, ah, you know, it's, it's a hard league or blah, 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 blah. No, I think it's very specific because I think Tata Martino struggled with this. And I think foreign managers who have come in and had success have struggled with this early on. Your your schedule, your your way you work is very different here than it is in other countries. Because of travel, because of climates, because of that aspect of it, and playing through the summer, if you have a manager who's not used to that, you have to adjust your training schedule. If you don't, you're going to burn your team out. It's just the way it goes, whether you're a pressing high-energy team or not. If you think that, like in other places, you can come back after a game, and the next day you can have a, a training session... I'm not going to do that here because you're probably going to be either in current times flying back overnight it might be a, a two three hour flight depending on your travel getting back at like three in the morning four in the morning or so getting like home and asleep by that point you're not going to have a normal training session the next day you're just not or it's going to be like it was before which it's Reportedly, going to be back to next year, at least for some trips, is you're probably going to be traveling back the morning after the game, commercial. And then, yeah, maybe you can do some kind of walkthrough at the training center after that, but that changes your whole preparation because a lot of managers and good ones come into a season, you've got a very rough calendar and how you want to work based off the schedule, based off potential cup games, all those sorts of things. You have a very rough schedule of how you want to work. It gets more refined each week. But when you have those kinds of days where you get back home and your guys are getting into their beds at four in the morning, you're not having a normal day the next day or later that day. So everything gets adjusted. I've watched managers come in and struggle with that. Tata did. It took him a while to adjust. Why do you think they didn't press as much in 18 versus 17? They adapted to what MLS was. So I think the knowledge of the league is more important than the systems part. I think you can have systems in this league. I think you need to be adaptable and you need to be flexible and not be, uh, Ralph Rangnick rigid in your system, but you can have a system. You're not, I don't think you have a bunch of vanilla teams that just roll a ball out and play. I don't, I I would really push against that. I think that's very unfair. But I think you have to be rigid because, yeah, it's it's a little hard to just get rid of 15 players every year and bring in 15 more, and that's your new style, and that's how that's going to define how you play. It's not easy to pull that stuff off. You have a players union to deal with as well, so there's a lot of different aspects to it. But you can have a system. You just have to adapt it. But you got to know this league. And that's where Gonzalo Pineda and Ezra Hendrickson, managers like that can be really important because... They know what travel can do to a team. They know what that does to your training schedule. They know how to then adapt. All right, I want to work on X, Y, and Z, but I'm not going to have this day to do it. I'm going to have to cut it short this day because we're traveling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to be able to adapt it more rather than look at it and be like, this is stupid, Rawr, which some managers have done in this league before. So it's, it's complicated. I think it'll go back and forth as it always does because I do really think that you will start to see other managers worldwide say, man, that's a pretty good place I want to go work. And they're going to do it, but they're going to come in and be more prepared. Tata was prepared and he was still surprised by it. I think Patrick Vieira came in and was prepared but learned along the way really quickly. You can come in and be successful coming in from outside the league, but you've got to be willing to listen and learn. I I think Phil Neville is one of those guys. Um, It can work, and you'll see that come back because that'll be the the new hotness here at some point down the road. But right now, it's it's hiring assistants because you've had a number of assistants who've grown up in the league and now are ready to take those jobs. Really interesting. Um, Hendrickson has been really close on multiple jobs, according to reports. He'll get the opportunity in Chicago. And I, I think if you're going to go with Ezra Hendrickson, John, in Chicago, you're going to give him time because it does feel like a rebuild time for the fire. Um, you got a new crest. You had a roster that I think the expectation was that you would be a playoff team this year. That failed miserably. Change in leadership you're going to have to change that roster a good bit. We saw all the players that are not going to be back. So Hendrickson should get a couple of years here to grow and develop both as a coach, but also with that team that's going to be new.
3: Yeah, and you know when you lose twice as many as you win and you finish 12th in the conference out of 14, and we got to see from afar just how much of a, a disaster this season was with all of this talent that they brought in you're moving you're moving from bridgeview you're coming back to soldier field you've got joe Mansueto who wants to invest he wants to make this big splash and the splash turns into a thud then you know what you do now is you are close to bringing in an ezra hendrickson who knows the league and he's he's comfortable and familiar with all of the the machinations that are there this is his first opportunity to uh, possibly be a head coach in the league if he does get the chicago job and i know that folks are going to want an instant return but i don't think that's necessarily a logical thing to expect considering what happened last season you know you can't just turn the box upside down have everything fall out of it throw the new things into the box, whatever the is inside the box in the first place, and expect that box to do what you want it to do. So you've got to rebuild here. And what I would what I would hope is that the Chicago Fire fan gives Hendrickson a chance, lets the team build to get last year behind them, or this year this year still, but get 2021 behind them so they can work forward with a coach that we've seen come close a lot of times and has uh, you know, got a lot of promise attached to him. But there's patience, I hope, that is attached to this as well should Hendrickson take the gig.
1: Ashley Mahoney in Charlotte reporting. Uh, Joe Bruno of WSOC 9 had it first. Charlotte FC will host the LA Galaxy in their inaugural home opener March 5th. So, Charlotte will be on the road for game number one, but March 5th, 8 p.m., Bank of America Stadium, Charlotte hosting the Galaxy will be the home opener, the first home match in the history of Charlotte FC. Wondered if that would be Atlanta or or Nashville. It's going to be the LA Galaxy in that match. Uh, Ashley Mahoney, who you absolutely should be following for Charlotte News, Uh, m underscore a underscore h underscore o underscore n underscore e underscore y uh she writes for axios in, in charlotte as well um ashley's one of the best out there so make sure you're following her uh joe bruno wsoc nine had it first i ricky I'm, I'm with you i'm surprised it's not atlanta too i thought it would be atlanta in charlotte for their home opener but it's going to be the la galaxy
3: Saturday yeah, um, night,
1: in Charlotte, Jared, at B of A. How many
3: people you? Th- what do you think is gonna? You think it's gonna be a full full house?
2: Oh yeah, I think it will be. Um, I think it will be too. I think it will be a very full house. Um, I think it will be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, follow Ashley for sure. I think we had Ashley on back before, like when when Charlotte was in the in the gladiatorial combat that was uh, trying to figure out who could get an expansion team and who yeah. could not. This is back in the day. Um, yeah, she also woke up and chose violence with that with that Twitter name, though. God bless her. Um, <laughs> actually, um, <She> did. <laughs> it's funny. I ran into Ashley at the uh, MLS All Star Game in 2018. Uh, really fun person to talk to as well. Really knowledgeable. Really excited about all this. Like she's not just pumping out these articles blindly. Um, getting to talk to her for about 10 minutes while we waited for me.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
2: Media availability with the coaches. Uh, you know, she's excited about all of it as well and and has kind of poured herself into this. So it should be a lot of fun for everyone in Charlotte. And yeah, she's absolutely one to follow because if nothing else, she's going to wear her on her sleeve yeah. in terms of the way she covers it. As far as Charlotte goes, yeah, I expect it to be absolutely bonkers. Um, Chicharito in town
1: for that? Absolutely.
2: Oh, buddy. Um, I expect also a lot of pet. Like, there's going to be a lot of pettiness. We can get into this later, man. Like, the pettiness between, that that already I think is kind of building between Atlanta and Nashville. Because I felt like Atlanta and Nashville had a really friendly vibe. And then as this year went on, I don't know if it's because Atlanta kind of, like, stumbled around in the dark for a minute. But it got a little salty. Like Charlotte, Charlotte came out of the womb in MLS choosing violence against Nashville and Atlanta. Um, I assume that they're also going to do the same to DC because DC and Charlotte are close enough for that to happen. Um, Charlotte is like going to basically pop out of the pop out here on a heel turn and. It's going to be very entertaining. The South is going to get very bitter and very salty real damn quick in this league.
1: Charlotte has really founded a lot of their mentality and their image on being... It's funny, they they put it out there as anti-Atlanta, like we're not Atlanta... But they're really modeling everything after Atlanta. So, you know, I mean, it's all good. It's going to be fun. Um, it will have an edge to it. I. It's it's a little funny in that, you know, for the Falcons, for example, it's the Saints that are the, the blood rival. I think Charlotte in MLS will end up being the blood rival for Atlanta United. I really do, because I, I think it is going to be the one that is nasty at times. Um, It's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be really, really fascinating to watch because it's close. There's going to be a lot of travel back and forth between the fan bases. I think they are going to be two large fan bases. I think Charlotte will do really, really well at the gate. I think they'll do really, really well in in putting things together. I think they have a great manager in place. I think Charlotte's going to be... Not coming in like an Austin or a Minnesota or a Cincinnati. I think Charlotte will come in with big ambition. And I think they'll come in with big ambition to punch Atlanta in the mouth. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm a little surprised the first game's not with Atlanta. But they get Chicharito in there on a, a Saturday night. Should be a huge crowd. Then Atlanta will go up there later in the year, and that will be a huge crowd with a large traveling contingent, I would assume, just like when Charlotte's down here. I think there will be a large traveling contingent of Charlotte fans. So it's going to be interesting. Um, Parzival, just to, just do, to be sure. Hold, hold on one second. Just to be sure, Parzival. Oh, yeah, Na- Nashville's not going to be in the West long term. I, I, I don't want that to get spread around. No. It's temporary because you've got St. Louis and and not Sacramento, but probably Vegas coming in. Nashville will be back in the East. Instead of having an uneven number, they kicked somebody over to the West for now. Nashville drew the short straw. They'll be in the East in the long run. So that'll be a rival, too. That will definitely be a rival, too. But Charlotte will be the nasty one. Orlando will be one. Nashville will be one. Red Bulls, I think, is always going to be one for a while. Philly's becoming one. NYC's on the the verge at times of being one. So it's
2: everybody. Toronto's
1: exactly. one. It, it, yes, basically Atlanta basically has beef with everybody. We don't
2: have a rival. We're rivals with everyone.
1: It's Georgia, man. A, it's Georgia. It's, it's, it's just it, everybody. It, it's the the life I have lived since I was a kid. Where it's like, oh, who's your rival? Well, it's Florida. Everyone. It's it's Georgia Tech. It, it's Auburn. It's Tennessee. It's Clemson, except we don't play them every year now. It, it's South Carolina now. <laughs> it's it's everybody. It's everybody. Chris Ashley, stu- you you shut your mouth with that ridiculous comment like "Go Vols" <laughs> in the Twitch pitch. Come on, man.
2: And so Charlotte for Atlanta is basically going. And, and so I'll. I, this is where I wanted to get to. Is you talked about them doing like Atlanta. I I see. I view it as Charlotte going into this saying, "Hey, we're going to do Atlanta, but better," because. Think that's kind of their vibe of you know we're not only we're we gonna like not only we're we gonna be better Atlanta we're gonna do like Atlanta did but we're gonna do better than they did and I think that's kind of their energy about it and Charlotte is gonna carry I, I and I'm fine with this I have zero issue with them carrying this energy yeah so I, let me preface this by saying 100%. that uh, Charlotte's gonna come into this basically as Atlanta's uh, Charlotte to Atlanta will be basically what Tennessee is to Jason and the. Uh, yeah, it's very possible. Um, like Jason, Jason holds a special heel uh, dislike for Tennessee, and I think yes. by the time we get uh-huh. into it, like I think Charlotte and Atlanta. I think you're right. Charlotte and Atlanta is gonna be it's gonna be nasty. Um, Orlando is like that childhood bully you'll you'll never forget your first uh, your first heel turn, your first bully. But Charlotte's gonna get mean.
1: Yeah. I, Orlando will will change over time. I think Orlando will get more engrossed with Miami as well. So it'll change a little bit on their end. I mean, Charlotte came in day 1 talking smack about Atlanta. So that's not going to go away. Um other rivalries will come and go and that that's what's fun about this and it's not a bad thing to have a bunch of rivalries. Like you can use the R word You don't have to be afraid of it. Nobody's going to judge you if you call something a rivalry and it's maybe a 5 on the scale instead of a 10. It's okay. These are good things. Rivalry means passion. Passion is good. That's why I think what Charlotte's done is the smart play because they created a bad guy for them straight out of the gate. They got all their people riled up about it. And that is the way to get passion going. And it was very easy because Charlotte's always had a thing about Atlanta. Always, in every sport. So you just play off of that, boom, you go here, and there you go. It's it's a really smart way to do it. Parzival, don't you bring up Boise State beating UGA in those stupid uniforms. Those were horrible. I hope they were burned.
3: So we're not talking about Jared Zabransky at all?
1: No, we're not talking, more importantly, about those stupid pro-combat uniforms. The worst things I've ever seen ever, 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 horrible, ever.
2: To be fair, I believe it was uh, Zabransky wasn't the quarterback that year. I wasn't don't it? care. I, I was, blacked uh, the game think out, think was Moore. you guys. He, think, uh, Moore was oh, the Kellen Moore. Yeah.
1: Yippee skippy. They, they were playing a team wearing stupid-looking Nike pajamas. They were horrible.
2: It looked like, it looked like the Red Power Rangers. Awful.
1: Awful. Sorry. Bad memories. Parsival. Parzival. I blame you. Just kidding. Uh, Airborne DJ, wait, so Charlotte set out purposely to not be anything like Atlanta. In other words, they have no desire to win multiple trophies in their first few years. No, 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 no. They set out to be exactly like Atlanta, but they're saying, screw that city that's that's the way it's going
3: that's how they're cutting
1: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that's what that's what they're doing it's it's look it's it's a smart move they're doing the things like atlanta they have hired that some things are different i mean they have a very different kind of manager in place than atlanta did they have a manager who's known for developing young talent Tata martino wanted to win straight away wasn't in it for the long haul here and Miles Robinson had that conversation before. Didn't want to really take the time to develop him because he had good center backs and didn't want to take the risks. I don't think that's going to be the case in Charlotte. But I do think Charlotte will be aggressive in the way that they spend. I don't think they're just going to go get a bunch of kids and wait for five years to be good. I don't expect that at all. But in terms of the way they want to be a team of the region... They want to be in a big stadium. I mean, they ultimately, Tepper wants to build a Mercedes-Benz stadium-like facility for the Panthers and for Charlotte FC. Yes, they are absolutely modeling it after what Atlanta's done. 100%. They started the academy very early. That That was very intelligent for them. A lot of teams haven't followed that lead, and it's kind of a waste of time to not follow that lead at this point. Charlotte did not. They've had an academy up and running. They are one hundred percent following Atlanta's model. They're just saying that they don't like Atlanta. Which is, is even better in terms of a, a marketing and a heel turn. It's like we're gonna be just like them, but we don't like them. That's what they're trying to do. It's very funny.
3: Yeah. It's uh that that that's the that's the way when you're when you're the new kid in the territory, you absolutely cut the promo off the top, sitting there and calling out the champ and and saying, you know, I'll be a different champ, I'm not like the champ, but you call out the champ that that when you're the new kid in the territory and you're cut that first promo at the at the uh
1: at the platform, that's what you do, and that's what they've done. I would have no problem as uh Wiley Kai underscore o yodi has recommended. I would have no problem with a belt between <laughs> some teams that have the old school uh wrestling heritage and and territories and such um i mean you got it's georgia championship a belt something wrestling NASCAR
2: related between charlotte and atlanta you
1: could do nascar as well i mean you could do a wrestling belt like you've got all kinds of different aspects but uh that's going to be down to the supporters to sort out and, and figure out and uh, i'm i hope they do i hope, they, I hope there is some kind of a, a thing in place between these two straight away straight out of the gate i, I hope there's something on the line for it if it's some kind of wrestling belt. If it's something related to a front fender of a NASCAR car, I don't care. Whatever. Um, pick something. Let's yes. go with it. Let's talk about whatever we're playing for. The bronzed front fender. I don't care. Whatever.
2: We pulled the front fender off of Morgan Shepherd's car in 1989. Sure. it sitting on my wall. That we're going we're gonna to trade that back and forth.
1: If you beat I'm us, us you that. can have it. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me.
2: No. This, this goes back to the whole thing of, you know, the, the idea of the South got something to say. And I know that's very much an Atlanta thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can expand it out that the entire South is, uh, the way the entire South is growing with the sport. I, I long for a time where in Orlando's getting themselves together, uh, Nashville's here. I don't, I don't yeah. know if people want, Fair like, if, I don't know if people are still, like, trying not to have that conversation or if they are and I've just missed it. Kudos if you are. Nashville's Nashville done been here. Um, get Charlotte here as well and I would love a world in which the South DCU don't count go sit over in the mid-Atlantic corner um, where the South is just basically on Cascadia levels of pretension
1: I said it years ago I I said that the the South was coming for Cascadia and I'm sure that really upset people Nico Moreno is probably throwing his coffee right now if he's listening but when you get to that point he's fine I mean, and we are for geographic purposes only, including Orlando and Miami in that conversation, geographic purposes only. Um, Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, just at the first division level, and the level of talent that's going to come from these places. And I, I think that's another critical element to it. And that's something that, frankly, hasn't happened much in Cascadia. Uh, Vancouver's developed a good bit of talent over the years, but Seattle's just starting to Portland really hasn't Atlanta has already. Charlotte has put together a good Academy straight out of the gate. Nashville's got some catching up to do um, Tennessee. I think in general has some catching up to do on the talent development. I think the coaching education side, there's things to grow there. Florida's developed talent for years and years and years. Cause you can play year round. So, it's not just those teams that are going to be there, but you're going to see more players representing the United States that are going to be hailing from Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, and, yes, for geographic purposes only, Florida in this conversation. And when you can get further down the road and Birmingham Legion can continue to grow and have players come through there, you're going to see players, more players come from Alabama. You've already seen some because of the FC Dallas pipeline out of Birmingham in the past. You're going to see more come out of that, and it's going to come through a new pipeline. There's going to be more of that. So that is where I think things will truly change, where it's not just you have big teams and big games. You're going to have big players coming through this region as well.
3: No, and that's, I think, part of the the underbelly and the fun part of this whole thing is the development but while the, the rivalry and, and all of the, the, uh, the promos and the, the games against each other in the, in the tricky triangle, it's, it's going to be fun. There's also that underlying development of the game with uh, not just in each of the individual cities, but in the regions themselves. I think that it's going to be a fun part of this as well to see all of the development from all of the, the sections that we've seen and we've covered over time and see all of that grow as well.
1: You guys have, have some weird uh, knowledge at times, and so I'm going to ask. Uh, if you were making, uh, for some reason I'm thinking of this with Atlanta, Nashville, and Charlotte. If you were making moonshine, you make that with a still? Is that correct? Yes, yes. Jared. Yeah. Yes? Do Are we going to have a, a still?
5: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, BDW void prohibited by law, See terms and conditions, eighteen plus
1: Bill trophy of some sort? Because I really wanna to have to explain that to the European people who
2: look down their noses <laughs> at it. <laughs> I mean, is Atlanta known for their stills? I mean, I, not kind of
5: exactly, no sort of but there are. People Atlanta's probably they, more
2: known for revnueers than they are for the stills. I, hey, it's part god, of the. Somebody's going to roll out a marching band and start playing Dooley, and I'm I'm here for it, man. Um,
1: <laughs> I thought it was called a still. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure that's what it
2: was called. It, it is. Um, oh my god! I now I just need this to happen.
1: I don't, it's, um, it's either a still or it's a wrestling By
2: train of thought, what the hell? I <laughs> I'm had, sorry. Like, something to say. And the idea of, this, of like playing for a still boiler is just completely blown my mind open right now. We, we
1: can't play for the little brown jug because that's already in, in college football. I yeah, mean, that's Minnesota you know, yeah. Big 12. You yeah. can't do that. So, I mean, you're not going to do some other kind of jug of moonshine. I mean, I think it's down to, to moonshine a wrestling belt or a fender of a, a, a car from stock car racing. I think those are the three things that are, are on the board here.
2: Oh, I, I remembered what I wanted to see them do. I want to see Atlanta pull whatever strings it takes to have Cam Newton uh, hit the star oh. first, Atlanta Charlotte <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a low blow, dude. Introduce, introduce him as one of Atlanta's favorite sons, too. Yeah, go ahead. That, graduate of Westlake High School.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah, that that Cam, would be man,
2: there's a Cam, Cam's an odd duck, man. There's a non zero chance that dude's gonna have season tickets to Charlotte.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. He he's right now he's back on that side of things. But yes, that would be amazing. Um Yeah, good for him. Good for him. And stupid. Giving him a penalty for yelling on back. Get out of here, NFL, with your nonsense stupidity. Um stupidity. Moronic. Okay. So we've. <laughs> it's funny the topics that will get the Twitch pitch going on a on a Thursday Ooh. morning. A um, lot of conversation about would it still be appropriate. I I am not up on my moonshine, obviously, so uh, I don't know. It was just the thought about should something we, that would link the three. Size
3: still would make it kind of gangly, though, because
1: it, the. Oh, of course you're not gonna take an exact replica or bronze one like look a
3: borg warner trophy from the indy 500
1: if you have you seen some of these stupid trophies that people play for come on i want something ridiculous because i want like english championship fans to be looking at this thing like oh see that's that's why this is that soccer thing that, that da, da, blah, blah, blah. no i i want it to be absurd um, hey,
2: my favorite thing I saw the last two days was like some Mexican, uh, some Mexican, uh, journalist or Mexican account saying like Mexico just lost two straight games to the only countries in the world that call it soccer. Yeah,
1: I did see that. That was very funny. The, the God, salt is beautiful. real. Um, a lot of Coca-Cola references for this, which could absolutely play into it if they want to sponsor it and make Cold donations Wars. to, uh, all of the, uh, like community groups uh with the different clubs i'm not sure like what charlotte has in terms of a foundation right now or nashville but you could figure that out so coca-cola could do that i'm cool with that but it'd be a sponsored Uh, element so people would get bent out of shape yep um
2: Uh, biggest companies in charlotte north carolina i mean because there's also the potential for chicken wars because both angles yes absolutely it's well, not I'm Bo sorry, hungles I'm, it's
1: Bojangles. Why are you Why are you trying to do that, John?
2: Why are you do, Why are you ruining my day?
1: Yeah, John, that's not <laughs> like. Why are you trying to make Jarrett want to fight? I'll well, do that. I blame Levitt. I blame Levitard. He started that. Oh, then you can leave oh, it there, please. Fair.
2: Um, yeah, man. Yeah, we could have some chicken wars, and oh man, because that gets complicated. Because like, dude, I mean, you have Chick Fil A here, but you also have Zaxby's in South Georgia, and. Zaxby's might have the most violent diversification of opinions of any of the chicken
1: it, it does. out there. It does. Um, that could get weird. That's for sure. Uh, NASCAR is the tie-in that, that Airborne DJ's going with. Uh, Nickalifi lets us know that you can find. Uh, you used to be able to find old stills all over Paul- Paulding County. Um, yeah, that's true. Probably still can. Probably still can. Uh,
2: you go. You go. You go the right way, and uh, Nick will understand that as I say it. Um, You get off 92 on some of those, like, on some of, like, Ridge Road, back off Ridge Road, getting out to, like, the South Paulding area, yeah, (laughs) some of those little side roads, I got family back there, man, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, that's, you you don't need to be there, necessarily, for your own safety. Yes, yeah,
1: that's probably a good idea. Especially as the sun is setting. You could, uh, you could play for a moonshine jug, absolutely, um, just, it can't be little or brown because then they're the, the those folks are going to get upset about it um mm-hmm. i like thomas's idea of something involving a mason jar yeah I, I like that um waffle house could get involved as well i mean of course waffle house would always work for all of these three that would be great
2: Coke versus pepsi thing is just hanging out there
1: it, we don't talk about pepsi around here jared what are you ta- what are you doing what are you doing
2: Charlotte does though.
1: Well, what, that's one more reason to uh, be angry with them. We don't. We don't talk about that's Pepsi one more on reason show. to
2: use it as a part of this conversation.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you're not going to have Go a generic cola war. I mean, we're not going to do that because
2: you know. Please, it's, please it's, just break out the like the old Win Dixie, um, the old Win Dixie brands. Of
1: knockoff sodas, I'm I'm down for that. I mean, we can it can be the A and P cup for all I care. That'd be fine. Um, some RC Cola cup. <laughs> Burn Yes. Burn does let us know that the Europeans do know stills. Uh, they all used to make bootleg plum schnapps with their drunk uncles when they were like eight. Wow, <laughs> that is a new revelation on the show this morning. Bootleg plum
2: schnapps. That sounds
1: like a bad I'm time. To
2: remind people. I'm just going to remind people <laughs> that buckfast is a thing in Scotland and Ireland. It's just a tonic wine that's 15% alcohol and uh, has as much caffeine as a, as a, actually has more caffeine than a Red Bull. And it's 15% <sighs> alcohol.
1: That's that's like 4 loco Loko-esque.
2: That's like, frightening. So, so that, that, that Copa, that's all I can think about during that Copa 90 documentary about the Scottish national team traveling down to the England game. You had like trains full of Scotland fans all of them had a bottle of Buckfest, and they're just getting off the train to go to a game at Wembley to watch England. And the potential, it was it was like, it was like lighting barrels of nitroglycerin and then kicking them down the stairs. Jeez. Like, that was amazing that no one died. Like, I, I want to introduce Buckfest wine no. at a... At a pit, West Virginia backyard brawl game, and just see what
1: happens. The <laughs> Jared, they I'm burn couches here, yeah, already. That no, no, yeah, I know. Are you sticking with us, or are you gonna, are, here. No, you're not. Are you going to leave, or are you going to stick with us?
2: I, I, I'm going to leave. Okay, so. you're going to leave um, on that note. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you want to give me a You want to you know, set me up for something just. More positive give me on, so, give to, me something
1: positive. I, I shouldn't have to set you up for it. I, I'd hope not. Give me something more positive than unleashing uh, Scottish caffeinated fifteen percent alcohol on a West Virginia pit rivalry
2: game. Not fun at all. Um, I might burn a part of the country. Okay. Now. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, this should be a lot of fun as the South continues to develop itself, you talked about, you know, the youth development. Um, I, one thing I want to see is I want to see the reaction out of the, uh, out of the research triangle to Charlotte growing. Um, cause I feel like Atlanta's going to find some enemy of my enemy as my friend <laughs> That's energy out of the research triangle before this is all said and done.
1: That would be wild. That would be very, very funny. Thank you, Jarrett. We'll talk to you later.
2: You're very welcome. We'll talk to you.
1: John, tell us about our good friends Toka Football and Eliminize. If
3: if you're looking for odor-free, clean, fresh air, there's one place that you can go. Eliminize. Eliminize service deodorizes enclosed spaces like houses, apartments, condos, and they've created a customized solution that eliminizes all organic odors, including pets, cigarettes, food, odors like that. Realtors and property managers use Eliminize service to eliminate bad owners to help odors to help them sell or rent homes quicker. They offer a turnkey process. That makes it easy to work with realtors and property managers. They're kind to the environment, offering a green way to get rid of odors with no toxic residue, better than Febreze or those other masking agents that you might know. They use a proven scientific formula to destroy odors down to the molecule. They make pricing easy using cubic feet and parts per million to come up with a price that's affordable for you. They offer results in 24 hours or less. You can go to Eliminize.com backslash Atlanta for their special November offer. That's E-L-I-M-I-N-I-Z-E.com backslash Atlanta for their special offer here in November. Make sure you use the backslash Atlanta for your first steps toward odor-free clean, fresh air. And our friends at Toka Football have a question for you. Do you have a young soccer player in your family? Have you ever considered private instruction with a professional instructor to take your player's game to the next level? Toca Football has four indoor soccer training centers in the Atlanta area. Their trainers utilize innovative technology in a fun environment to help improve your favorite player's skill and decision making. Give Toca Football a try, won't you? SDH is partnering with Toca to offer our listeners an opportunity to check out their revolutionary and fun Toca soccer training method. For how much? Gratis book your how much free session now with the promo code dh use the promo code dh go to tokafootball.com backslash program backslash toka-training tokafootball.com backslash program backslash t-o-c-a-training or go to soccerdownhere.net click on the Toka football banner and take those first steps toward getting your favorite player's game to the next level today
1: thank you john these are the funniest kinds of shows to me because it's coming off the international break there's really nothing that happened yesterday in a huge way there's chatter there's rumors and stuff and i never really know where they're gonna go because there's not a lot of obvious things to jump into and now we're talking about bootleg plum schnapps and and trophies between uh two teams or three teams or four or five who knows it's uh it's it's incredibly absurd and that's why i I love all of you people uh Mm -hmm. the iron skillet trophy is a good one from perfect tommy i like that 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 would work for all three of these and that'd be be easy to to have displayed and and carried around it's got to be like a little greasy though because that's what a good iron skillet is it's that's that's perfect a wooden crate of mason jars blue moon dog 42 throws into the mix i'm down with that um Tommy goes with a banjo. I could work, maybe. Um, you could do an acoustic guitar for something like that. I could work too. Um, the bless their hearts cup. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, airborne dj no not the deliverance cup <laughs> rich ransom no not the big mega church cup now it continues to go off the rails um the Everclear cup from cloud wreck <laughs> man don't don't even remind me of that stuff it was in hunch punch the last time i had it like over 20 years ago and it was very bad very very bad very very bad um i did not know that tennessee and kentucky used to have the beer barrel in college football i thought they played for something bourbon related I, I, I remember, could, the, I I be remember the beer wrong. barrel. I don't remember the beer barrel. Um, when I lived in Lexington for five years, I just remember Tennessee beating uh, Kentucky like a drum on a regular basis. So maybe I blacked that out. I don't know. Um, you could easily do something wrestling-related, as people have said. Uh wrestling belt would be pretty cool. Ricky Ricardo, I'm with you. Yes, you had. And, and this would be something that Atlanta could really hold over Charlotte a lot because who has... Hit the golden spike, Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Charlotte should be upset about that. Um, and if they try to get him to do something at one of their games at Lanny Night, it'll be like, hey, we had him first. Look, here's the mm-hmm. gift. You know, so that that could get interesting. Uh, the biscuits and gravy belt. I don't know how you make. I mean, the belt part. I mean, if you just want to call it that, I don't know how you make a trophy out of the biscuits and gravy. That that could be gross. Um, that would be a mess. Uh, you definitely have the Coke and Pepsi rivalry with Atlanta. Um, I don't drink Pepsi anyway, but I would probably recommend that people don't drink Pepsi the week of that game, because, you know, no. let's do it. You got a Home Depot Lowe's tie-in, Cloud Rec ret- lets us know. Absolutely, that Sorry. is true. Um, the Southern Fried Derby, I like that, Ricky. All kinds of different things. Uh, it could be a bowl name, Rich, absolutely, but I... I it depends on how you want to do it. If you want to make it like a Cascadia Cup where it includes Nashville, or we can just exclude Nashville and put them over there to the side. Um, if it's Atlanta-Charlotte, Rich says, considering both Charlotte and Atlanta adopt the colors of the NFL teams and they're playing in the same buildings, shouldn't it be a bowl name? You could go down that road. You could absolutely go down that road. And again, then you get to explain it to uh, some of the Euro snobs, and I'm sure they'll be very, very in their feelings about it, which would be amazing. Mm -hmm. the boiled peanuts cup domer recommends i like it um the barbecue cup (laughs) the rc cola cup sponsored by sierra mist (laughs) doctors but then you'd you'd have
3: to have uh, moon pies
1: available as well yeah you could do that for sure um uh, yes sean uh in john's read he did call out febreze that did happen um febreze is going to come after him Hey, I'm reading what is on the paper in front of me, sir. Oh, so now you're blaming other people for calling out Febreze? That's what you're doing. I'm reading what is written for me. You're 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 blaming people, John. That's that's not how we do things around here. Um, Airborne DJ, when we talked about bootleg plum schnapps, now he reminds us of uh, potato schnapps he once had
5: in Germany. Whoa! Which wow. that Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky.
1: Uh, Nick Alifi throws in the NWA needs to make a championship belt for the rivalry between Atlanta and Charlotte. I like it. I am. Yeah, the NWA returns to Atlanta December three, four, five, and six. I am. I am all in on that. Uh, Motiflo has a fun Everclear story. Um, okay. I don't think there are, is such a thing, but all right. Uh, <laughs> on my wife's 21st birthday, she was given a free shot of mostly Everclear. And after she tasted it and made a hilarious face, she promptly said it tasted like the color blue. all right oh Jesus, that's that's hideous uh the i-85 cup is an easy one parsable yeah that and that's a good good generic something the i-85 cup rivalry derby derby whatever we want to call the thing around here um that could work for sure that's a simple one that's kind of hard to to get wrong uh, Burn says, 100% true story We're getting into the, the revelations portion of the show I'm learning uh, 100% true story Typically, you get a license to distill schnapps on your property But you have to pay by the day So 24 hours, 48 hours, etc And it's pretty expensive Because of the alcohol taxes So of course, nobody stops after 24 hours or 48 hours And just hopes the inspectors don't show up again We wouldn't sleep for days Just hang out in the shed and keep on going <laughs> We'd make enough to last for years oh. Bootleg, plum,
3: schnapps that's tremendous wow
1: uh chris ashley says the i-85 cup would tie in the greenville triumphs inevitable jump to mls as well chris ashley is hitting the bootleg plum schnapps early this morning Um, as as he's on his way to omaha i'm sure i I don't know if he's going to omaha or not i'm not putting that on chris ashley that's a long trip chris Uh, if you are let us know um for sure but yeah, it's a big game. USL League one this weekend, the final Greenville in Omaha. And it was part of our picks of the week. And it's a good thing it was since we lost the Nepal army versus the Nepal police game. Um, it's a it's a tough one for Greenville on the road. But I'm I'm excited to see it not going to Omaha. Chris Ashley's not making it to Omaha. That is okay. I'm sure you will be uh, yelling your head off from Greenville. I'm excited to see that excited to watch that this weekend. Um, USL League One and its growth is a really important element in American soccer. And I think it's two steps. I mean, one, just bringing pro soccer to these markets is a big deal and has a huge impact. But when these clubs are able to then start working in the community and having academies on that side, it's massive. It's absolutely massive because there's no reason why a kid can't come from Greenville or Omaha and make it to the national team down the road. There's just no reason on that. Um, Sean Vergar is trying to get me in trouble. He says, so Reese is on UGA to win it all. I, I'm not putting anything on any of that right now. I'm just very, very happy with the season that I am watching because it is, uh, a defense like I have never seen before in my life. And Stetson Bennett just keeps on doing Stetson Bennett things. So we will see, but I am not putting anything on anything right now. I'm just enjoying it right now. Thomas, don't tell me Drake's on board with UGA this year. Don't talk about that kind of nonsense around uh-huh. here. We don't, we don't, no stop it stop it shows up shows up at uh at a game in the near future sporting uga gear stop it uh nick says drake said go dogs he was talking about washington they, they say go dogs too with the aw uh, they do so he was talking about that he wasn't talking about georgia don't 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 bring that nonsense in here at all don't do that um i i'm still blown away by burn staying up for days and and <laughs> making hey. eight like plum schnapps stuff's amazing What a day. Did not see any of this coming. Um, (laughs) All right. Other things on the board today. Uh, We talked about the South Africa-Ghana game and how it could get replayed and how the South African Federation wants it to get replayed and has made a complaint to FIFA and the only way it's going to get replayed is if there is a pattern of match manipulation. Well, that's the language that is being used by the South African FA president, Danny Jordan. The South African FA lodged a complaint with FIFA about the match, letter dated November 17th. Protest will be submitted to a member of the disciplinary committee on November 23rd for consideration. The protest included allegations of, quote, match fixing, match manipulation, including corruption and bribery, which Jordan claimed may be linked to gambling at a press conference on Wednesday. This is the quote. How is it that there's a betting spike just before a major decision is taken and therefore people bet? They knew when to bet, he said. This is from the South African FA president saying that there was a betting spike right before the penalty was given to Ghana in that situation. Um, mm. Of course the Ghana and th- this is this is allegations yeah. and look, allegations are not always true, but in this case, this is what has been said at a press conference in South Africa about this game. That is wow. Um, we'll see uh, there in, in the report, which was compiled by former South African referee Aston Nkobo. He said he picked up 71 major incidents from the match where he believes that the referee either turned a blind eye or made incorrect calls against the South African team. That feels like a huge stretch. Yeah, that's Um, the interpretation. The gambling aspect is what's weird. And if there was a spike on bets on the game after it started, before that penalty. That's where, okay, then you can start to draw lines, like real lines, not dotted lines or made-up things. So that is going to be reportedly considered by the FIFA Disciplinary Committee next week on the 23rd. So be on the lookout for an update there. CONCACAF Champions League draw for 2022. It's December 15th. Play will begin the third week of February, which is typical. Round of 16, February 15th through the 17th, and February 22nd through the 24th. It's over two legs. Quarterfinals, March 8th over the next couple days, and March 15th over the next couple days. Semifinals, April 5th, April 12th, first and second legs. Finals, April 26th, May 3rd. So it's going to be pretty condensed like it has been in the past. Here's who's in. There's still two births that are undetermined as of yet. Hamilton Forge is in via CONCACAF League. Either Montreal or Toronto will be in as the Canadian Championship Trophy winner. They have a final to play. Saprissa and Santos are in from Costa Rica, CONCACAF League. Comunicaciones, Guastatoya, are in from Guatemala, CONCACAF League. Uh, Cavalli is in from Haiti. I think they're new. Motagua is in from Honduras. In Mexico, from League Play Playoffs, León, Santos, Cruz Azul, and Pumas from MLS, Colorado, New England, Seattle, and the 2021 MLS Cup champion. Who gets in if one of those three win the MLS Cup championship? It'd be the next best regular season record, if I am not mistaken, unless they changed things. And that would go to Kansas City, who frankly, should at least have had the opportunity to be in if they had gotten the handball call to begin with. They would have had the opportunity to convert a penalty. They would have put them in ahead of Colorado. They get in if New England, Colorado, or Seattle win MLS Cup. If they don't, then Peter Vermes is going to be very, very angry, even more angry than he typically is. Um, rumor and innuendo today. Barcelona is still linked with players. Barcelona has no money to be linked with players. I still don't understand how any of that's going to happen, but welcome to soccer. Um, Danny Olmo's name has come up. Barcelona has been linked to him for a while. Manchester United are set to try to jump in and grab him from RB Leipzig. Uh, Hakim Zayek has been linked to Barcelona. Again, I don't know how. Now Borussia Dortmund might be interested in grabbing him. 28-year-old Moroccan international. Paul Pogba is going to be out for at least six weeks. He's out for the rest of the calendar year. He's probably going to rehab in the Middle East. And his agent has hinted that he will leave Manchester United in January. His contract's up at the at, in the summer, at the end of the season. He might leave in January. He's not going to play until January. He might not play for Manchester United again if those things happen. But... It feels like every other day the narrative around Paul Pogba changes, so just do something. I don't care at this point. Uh, Newcastle are being linked to De Vrij, Brozovic, both from Inter, and Lazio's goalkeeper, Thomas Strakosha, from Albania, 26 years old. They're looking for a raid in Italy. According to reports, uh, The Times has that, and those. I, I think everybody but Strakosha has been linked before to Newcastle. They're not new rumors, but it sounds like those might be moving forward a little bit. And uh, Real Madrid could be jumping into a, a little bit of this conversation. Um, sorry, I, I was mixing up a couple of things here. Not in jumping into a new one, the Erling Holland conversation. Chelsea, Manchester City, and PSG are the ones who might be really jumping into that, because Real Madrid's been linked to that for a while. No real surprise that Chelsea, Manchester City, and PSG would be in the conversation, but you've got Holland and Mbappe that, allegedly, according to Spanish reports, Real Madrid still wants to sign both. Mbappe is available on a free at the end of the season. Holland, there's some version of a release clause. Uh, I, I... don't know why the reporting is so all over the place on this there is some version of a release clause on him but he's going to have options because that release clause is easily paid by real madrid chelsea manchester city psg newcastle could pay it if they wanted to liverpool could pay it manchester united could pay it if they wanted to he's going to get to pick and the salary is going to be absurd and the agent fee is going to be absurd as well because that's how they do these things um also another name that could be available, uh, Toliso from Bayern is being actively offered to other clubs by his representatives. He's out of contract at the end of the season. There's a bunch of names out of contract at the end of the season that could be really good for a Barcelona, for a Newcastle if they want to, you know, kind of keep things smart in the way that they spend in terms of financial fair play. You're going to have a lot of guys available on a free. Tottenham and Inter are among the clubs that Tolisso's representatives have made contact with. He was transferred for €41.5 million from Lyon in 2017. 104 games, 19 goals, 13 assists. And he's going to walk, it sounds like, at the end of the season. That's becoming just a more common thing. Uh, More on Bayern. Joshua Kimmich is a doubt for the derby game against Augsburg tomorrow. He's been in contact with a person who might be infected with COVID-19. And if you're not following our our friend Derek Ray, he's been talking about this a good bit. Uh, Kimmich has been very clear in being unvaccinated. Now, this is not related to his vaccination status. It's just been part of the conversation around Joshua Kimmich. He's been a close contact with somebody who could be infected. So that could rule him out of the match tomorrow. Thomas Müller is expected to make an appearance tomorrow. It would be his 600th competitive game for Bayern. First outfield player to do so for Bayern. 600 competitive appearances. Leipzig, bad luck for them. Yusuf Poulsen has picked up an injury on international duty with Denmark. He's going to be out for at least two games, maybe three, because you have Champions League in the midweek next week. He's out for Saturday against Hoffenheim. He's out for... A match against John's favorite Belgian club on Wednesday. And he's probably not available the following weekend against Leverkusen. Um, And he's been very good lately for Leipzig, uh, scoring in his last three games for them. That's going to hurt Jesse Marsh. Xavi is going to be hurt as well by injuries. No Pedri, no Dembele, no Ansu Fati, no Martin Braithwaite, no Sergio Aguero. For this upcoming match Saturday against Espanyol. Which is a huge, huge rivalry match. Um, Pedri, they thought he'd be available. Xavi wants to take it slow with him. Doesn't want any unnecessary relapses. Dembele is close. They could be available for the midweek off the bench against Benfica in Champions League. And the shocker of all shockers. Gareth Bale faces being sidelined for three weeks with a calf injury after playing for Wales during the international break. Wales, golf, Madrid, Mm -hmm. in that
2: order. Mm -hmm.
1: No real surprise there. Um, You've had lots of press conferences this morning in England as games get ready to resume on the weekend. Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa was asked about, is this a stepping stone to Liverpool? He said, no, I'm all in. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has been asked about Manchester United. He said, basically, paraphrasing, shut up, that's disrespectful. I'm not talking about it. Um, All the usual stuff. Nothing really big revelations from all this. FA Cup had some interesting things this week. Stockport, non-league, came back to beat Bolton, who's in League 1, 5-3 in extra time. They were down 3-1, and they came back to win... 5-3. Now, Exeter City and Bradford City, it's going to have to be replayed. And this is interesting. In FA Cup rules, in most
2: places worldwide,
4: I,
1: I, I don't want to say everywhere but this competition, but I'm pretty close to saying it, you get an extra sub in extra time. That's pretty typical. FA Cup? No, you don't. Well, Exeter did. They made a sixth change at the start of extra time. They were allowed to do so. Um, That has now been ordered to be replayed. The result of the match should not stand, according to the FA's professional game board. Um, This was already a replay, so this is the third game between these two teams. There's nothing England loves more than replaying games on a regular basis. Uh, this is going to be a replay, and it is because they used an additional sub. When in most competitions worldwide, you could. The referees allowed it here. You can't in the FA Cup, so now it's going to have to be replayed. The FA Cup allows five subs. The Premier League doesn't allow five subs. Can they all find some kind of similar page to work from? Please. But anyway. Nah. Oh. Uh, Jam and Dave 26. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, it. You ask Steven Gerrard, like, is this a stepping stone to Liverpool? He's not going to say, yep, it's I'm just a I'm only here so stone. I can
3: get to Liverpool when
1: Klopp Yeah, runs. yeah, he's, he's not going to say that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to put him in that situation, just like it's ridiculous to ask Brendan Rodgers. When are you going to Manchester United? Have you bought a house yet? When are you going? When do we play them on the schedule? That would
3: be my answer. I mean, whatever no, like Whenever the next matchup is, no, that's I'd, when we're I'd,
1: going. No, I'd say you're being an idiot. Leave me alone. I'm not talking about it. Um stupid it's all stupid uh it it would be very funny if one of these people did just come out and say what's really going on but they can't do that it's it's, no No. it's just dumb don't don't do this stuff uh sergio ramos could actually play for psg possibly he could be in the squad against not on saturday could maybe allegedly perhaps he could Um, And in the Netherlands, there was a fear that games would be postponed. Um, New COVID restrictions. The stadiums have to be empty for the next three weeks. Some clubs ask for a postponement. They will not be postponed. They will play behind closed doors in the Netherlands for the next three weeks. That is your news update on a Thursday. Sport build. Uh, I don't know where they are in the... We've talked about (laughs) it. They're tabloid too, but maybe not quite as bad as uh, the other ones that I get very angry about.
3: Yeah, uh, let's see, as of about 3.30 Eastern time this morning, they are saying that Zidane is turning down an opportunity if it was offered to him about Manchester United, and so he's not going to pursue anything until the summer, so that's according to them.
1: Yeah, this has been reported in various ways for quite a while. Um, The new one was out of the Spanish media yesterday that Zidane's wife doesn't want to go to Manchester. That was the latest. Um, I'm not buying it uh burn reminds us that this is the since it's the last show before the weekend uh we do have the show tonight don't don't forget you can watch it back if you're not able to watch it tonight you can watch it in the morning in the usual slot it'll just be recorded nwsl final saturday at noon on cbs and a lot of young talented players in the mix in this game um I think, and we, we've had this conversation over the last couple of years, really after the 19 World Cup for the U.S. It felt like originally that was the start of the end of a generation, and the Olympics in 20, when they were supposed to be held, would be the end of that generation. Then they got delayed a year, hung on a little bit longer, not a good Olympics. Now it really has to be the start of a new generation, and there's a lot of young talent, coming we just haven't seen them in some of these pressure-packed situations now you're going to get a chance to see some of them in this final in the nwsl it's going to be in louisville it's going to be live on cbs at noon it's not going to be early time in portland now which is a good thing um chicago and washington is in this and what are the numbers on this john i'm actually curious what the the odds are between these two
3: I'm chasing them because they're not posted in the composite. But uh, remember, Chicago and Washington, they both won on the road out west. Mm-hmm. Chicago beat Portland in Portland 2-0. The Spirit beat uh, OL Reign 2-1. And they were both north of plus 325 underdogs going on the road to get those wins. So I'm efforting those NWSL championship game odds.
1: Yeah, it's weird. They're not up on uh, on, on sofa score either. Very odd. Yeah. Um, Trinity Rodman is a player that we've talked about a few times. Yes, she is the daughter of Dennis Rodman. Um, That's become too much of the story at times, and it's not fair to to Trinity's game. She's one of the most exciting young players in the league. Uh, Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch up top for Washington. That is a fun combo to watch. That is a, a very good duo up there for that squad um Mallory Pugh has bounced back and had a very good season for Chicago is she back available I know she was out of the semifinal due to uh COVID protocol I don't know if she is back for this one or not I think so but I'm not 100% sure of that
3: uh Yahoo Sports is reporting that she still could miss the final as a
1: Yesterday, I guess there still has to be a certain number of negative tests. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming here. Um, there's not a ton of uh, of pregame talk, and it's Thursday, and uh, I wish yeah. there was a little bit more here from from the league and and from the teams. It'd it help. Uh, I like Rodman though, and, and that's the one that I'm I'm really excited to see. I I don't care how young she is. I think she's one who should be in the mix for the national team straight away. And should start to get these opportunities. You, you are gonna see some national team games here coming up in Australia. Um, it is a kind of a mixed group and it'll be good to see some new players coming through. Uh I, I like that comparison, Byrne. Byrne says if if Rodman keeps developing, the comparison is Mbappe. Yeah, I could see that. that that's a good mix. I she's explosive is is kind of what I get out of her. I, I, I like her game. I want to see her get that opportunity. Kind of, I mean, if we want to go with the national team comparison, I think Sidney LaRue in her prime with how explosive she could be, that's kind of what I get out of Rodman. But I think Rodman has a much higher ceiling. I think she could be even better.
3: Uh, Emma Ruby from Yahoo says, Both Pew and Kayla Sharples entered COVID-19 prior to the team semifinal. In accordance with NWSL COVID-19 protocols, a player who tests positive must clear a 10-day isolation period before returning to play during this time they must be isolated from the team not allowed to exercise player must also be symptom free for at least 7 days before returning to play that means if you tested positive last friday she would not have cleared the 10 day isolation period by saturday when the championship game is played but what's Orville the symptom free
1: How- part that's where this is not worded in a right. way that makes any sense because if yeah, you're symptom free after 7 is that what does that mean uh uh, if she did train, not test positive and
3: was only placed in protocol due to exposure, she could return to play if she produces a series of negative tests on okay. days five and seven of her
1: quarantine. Okay. And, and we don't know. So yeah, uh, there, there's really no way to know this. And that's what's uh, – it stinks about all this. Turner asks even if vaccinated. I, I don't know. I don't know their protocol. Um it, it's not even about really the NWSL protocol and if, if it's good or not good or whatever. It's just this is the reality we're all dealing with right now, and it will possibly come up in MLS in the playoffs. It, it could absolutely affect a match here at some point. It absolutely could. I mean, there there are testing protocols that you have to go through. I mean, I'm going to get tested tomorrow and Saturday morning before we go Saturday. And that's just part of this process. So everybody has to go through that and look, you could have somebody test positive and it affect a team's strength in the postseason. in the WSL, It can affect a team's strength in a final like this. Uh, Bern says, and I, and this, I don't know, and this is speculation and I want to be very, very clear on that. Um, people suspect that Pew is not vaccinated. She declined to call up to the games in Australia. And that, look, that's been part of the conversation as we're about to get Nico Moreno on. That's been part of the conversation around Joshua Kimmick, because it's honestly, it's been part of the conversation in the WWE that I've been reading as well here lately, because international travel being vaccinated becomes, can you go or can you not go into some countries? And it does have to come up in those situations. So I do don't know if that's the case with with her i don't know but for what wherever things stand in their protocol it sounds like there is a possibility that she is available for the final but we don't really know enough information to know if there is truly a possibility or she's going to be in that 10-day window where there would not be a possibility that's uh that's where we are and look that's tough for a league to disclose so i i You know, when we talk about information, and I really wish there was more information and more preview and and more from the NWSL in general, that part, I understand it being difficult. Let's get into the MLS Cup playoffs with our good amigo Nico Moreno. Welcome, my friend.
4: Hey, hey, What is going on, Atlanta? (laughs) How
1: are you? How are you guys?
4: How is it going?
1: We're good. We're good. Getting ready to head to Yankee Stadium on Saturday. Um, not my favorite place in the world to watch a game, but it is the postseason and it is a very interesting matchup between Atlanta and New York City. Seattle, you guys have a little bit different kind of a matchup against a team that frankly got a little lucky to get in with a very interesting no call that would have led to a penalty. We don't know if the penalty would have been converted, all those things, but Seattle has to feel pretty good about their first-round matchup, I would assume, Nico.
4: You would assume, uh, <laughs> Jason, because uh, this team has a factor in which they don't have a lot of say or or a lot of influence on other than hoping that players get back. Uh, and that's the reality of it. We have been... At Starfire Complex, seeing a lot of younger players, a lot of the Koba Defiance players helping those Sounder wow. players who are ready to go that are that have no health issues, that are not an international play, get ready. So uh, I think that Seattle probably does feel good about playing at home, about who they got matched up against, but at the end of the day. They are struggling to field players at this point in time. Uh, we saw Jimmy Medranda and Joe Paulo doing some off the field work. Uh, we saw Raul Reed-Diaz uh, also doing some individual training and not fully in practice. Um, I think he still needs some time, and, and I think Raul would be a, a close call, especially considering how he re aggravated that hamstring coming in maybe a little too early uh, in the LA Galaxy game. Not that alone, uh, Jason, but another struggle for Seattle right now, and we talked to Brian Schmetzer about it, is how do you prepare a team? How do you bring them up in intensity and and, and game-ready when you're not only playing with five or six players who are not healthy, but you're also waiting on Yemar, you're waiting mm-hmm. on a Christian Roldan and uh, all the, the internationals uh, knew who, who had a dislocated shoulder, it appears, with Cameroon and, and so that puts him in question as well so uh, I think Seattle's biggest thing is, can they get healthy and how do you prepare a team for a playoff game without having an entire group for the entire time that you were supposed to get them ready for?
3: But at the same time, though, this season, Nico, there have been matches with the Sounders where they had the entire population of Walla Walla on the injured list, and (laughs) you would have call-ups from Tacoma, and it was basically plug-and-play, which I think speaks well to what Brian Schmetzer and and Seattle have put in place, to where if you have to bring up 16, 17-year-old kids to throw into a lineup and come up with a game plan. I know that we're talking postseason now, but at least there's uh, empirical evidence that can support the notion of everyone down with Tacoma that could help out in a situation like this if all of those top guns are not at
4: 100%. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, if there is a team that can be resilient and understand uh, the the game plan and are going to be able to execute it. By law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Those of age your experience. Right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, the biggest question mark, and I think the the big, if you could pick one player right now to be healthy, it would probably be Joe Paulo. Yep. Joe Paulo is a player that you can't replace, that you really struggle without. You look at that Vancouver game, and man, not having Joe Paulo being a, a guide, a Northern star, a uh, compass for this team from the, from the build up to his positioning, it, it, it's critical. A, and I think that one is key. Obviously, Raul Ridia's having him there gives Seattle an eliteness and more bite. But in terms of balance and, and overall play, you need Joe Paolo back. Um, and you're right. Uh, honestly, yes, you could bring in players and, and, get a game going and you've done it in the past, but you haven't done it in playoffs against an RSL team that's going to come into Seattle with a Cinderella chip on your shoulder, dark horse. We have nothing to lose mentality, and that could be dangerous.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely can. Um, we've been talking about it this week with the the first-round matchups and which ones are – you know, more heavily tilted to the home team, who who are favored in all of them, and which ones could be on upset alert. Seattle RSL feels like one that should go chalk. The home team should be able to take care of business here, even with some some question marks. Are there any of the first-round matchups in the East or the West that you're looking at that could be road team walking out of there with a win and advancing? Uh,
4: I think there's quite a few. Uh, I, I'm looking at Vancouver guys I really am I, I do I'm too. looking at Vancouver I know that it's hard to say Because of how they've played Throughout the season And they're sporting Kansas City And they're this great organization And they've also have had Some really good games At the end of the season But I feel like defensively, they're really going to struggle against Vancouver. I feel like that midfield and and a lot of those pieces are beginning to show their age, especially for the type of intensity that um, Sporting Kansas City plays in and how open they are sometimes in that 4-3-3. And not just that, but I feel like Vancouver has the ability to pin back a guy like like Salawi and, and, and even if Russell plays because of how good they are in their width, they're also in that mentality of nobody thought we were going to be here and here we are. We're starting from the bottom, now we're here. I mean, it's literally a team that has a lot going for themselves. So I could see Vancouver pulling off this game against Sporting Kansas City.
3: Are there any others, like in the in the East, I know that we we're talking Vancouver, but are there any in the East that have your, your spidey senses up and running when it comes to, to this weekend as well, or are you thinking chalk there too?
4: No, I, I think that there's a few. In, uh, honestly, I know how important home field advantage is, and, and it's always great to have it, uh, but there are teams – who I feel that won't be as faced by it. And uh, I, I, I'm going to say Atlanta. I mean, I, I understand that perhaps the the numbers uh, might not please people on that. And uh, I think a lot of people are thinking, or, or at least in, in the couple of shows that I've done over the week, they're just, they have the belief that New York's going to take this game um, with some sort of ease. But uh, I think Alexander Callens... Uh, Having an injury with Peru, we don't know how if he's going to be back or how healthy he's going to be if he does get back against Atlanta. I think that's a huge void to to, to fill for this New York City team. Uh, I feel like they have been inconsistencies, and Gonzalo Pineda is way too smart, way too intelligent. He's going to strategize this game so well that I feel like Atlanta is going to surprise many on how they're going to exploit the weaknesses that New York can have. Uh, They have the firepower. Uh, They've shown you that at times, even when they don't play their best soccer and when they don't have the ball and and the possession, uh, they can win games. So I'm going to give it to Atlanta on this one. I feel like they're the team to watch on the road in the Eastern Conference uh, in this first round of
1: games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe most the, the most even matchup because they f- both finished on 51 points. Uh, New York City got to host because of more wins in the regular season. But it's a little surprising. The, the oddsmakers have Atlanta as the biggest underdog on the board in the mm-hmm. first round, which... Yeah. Hmm, there's others yeah, it, that...
4: And I- and I get it. Look, you look, you look at the – a lot of them look at the firepower. They look at the roster. Uh, they look at uh, the offensive proficiency throughout the, the season. Look, I get it. I see it. Tati's MVP finalist, yes, 100%. of course. But at the same time, the inconsistencies, the inconsistencies of, of New York City are sometimes beyond their own talent. Tati, look, he's a great player, but he's streaky. And if he doesn't get on his game early and he starts giving you those low percentage of shots outside of the box and he gets too wind up and he's trying maybe a little too hard, things can fall off for them. Maxi Morales is a veteran. He does things well. But he also has a certain age and and limitations on how much he can perform. Uh, So I'm looking at all of these things. And once again, I I don't think – People realize how big uh, Callens has been for New York City FC. That uh, defensive style of play for New York can really struggle without a guy like him under center. So, yeah, I I give it to you. Every single show that I've done, I've been the only one picking Atlanta uh, over this last past week. And you're right, everybody's just thinking that New York City is going to get away with this game. And they might be surprised.
1: Yeah, it's a little odd because when you when you really drill down into it, you know, you do have the question about Callens, and I think it's a question at this point as to where he is. I, he won't be a hundred percent. I think that's a, a safe bet. But is he going to be able to start yeah. or not? And we don't know. the The mm-hmm. bigger issue is is what we saw from them on decision day and what we've seen since. So on decision day, James Sands played right back. Tavon Gray Mm -hmm. played right back in the last match against Atlanta United. Tavon Gray, I I think, for whatever reason, Ronnie Dyla doesn't trust him in big moments yet. I actually like Tavon Gray. I think he's a a good player. But James Sands got that opportunity. He might not be able to play right back in this game because you're missing possibly Acevedo. That's not confirmed yet. You're missing Gideon Zalalem due to red card. You're missing Keaton Parks due to season-ending surgery. That's three central midfielders. Alfredo Morales is going to need some help in that central midfield. Probably. Wow, I forgot
4: about the red card in, in Philadelphia. You're absolutely yeah, right. You
1: take Zalalem out of the mix. So there's like there's only Alfredo Morales if Acevedo can't go.
4: Wow. That, that, that's big. I, I that's absolutely true? missed that one. And you are absolutely right. I just remembered that uh, that could actually be uh, just as big of an impact. I mean, that's a lot of missing pieces – Especially when we're talking about the defensive assignments and an Atlanta team that does, if if they do one thing right, is that they overwhelm teams throughout portions of the game with numerical numbers. Mm -hmm. They they get players ahead. They uh, get players into spaces in between the marks. And this is huge. That, that that's a big one. And I think the reason why Dalia goes with Sansi is because he is conservative. He'd rather have somebody that's a, a good defensive player there than maybe have a guy that can get forward with more ease. Because Medina does it so well, and and, and Morales can do it, and uh, both you know not Maxi but uh, further Morales, and, and you know Maxi as well. I mean yeah. th- he has enough players there, so I think that's why he goes with Sands, and the fact that he might not be able to count on that, could be a game changer, you know, right, it's, absolutely it's,
1: it's baffling because they don't have another center back on the roster Like that that's the other thing, is Sebastian Ibiago was that guy for so long for NYC, he's not there anymore he's in LA, so you've got Cheneau, you've got Callens, and you've got Sands, who can play as a center back, if you don't have Callens then you're either going to put Sands at center back, which would probably be the likely play, or you're going to play somebody out of position there to play Sands potentially at right back, which is kind of out of position, but then it becomes a lopsided, you know, three center back kind of setup because Sands isn't going to go forward like a traditional right back would, or you're going to have to play Sands in the the midfield. Like whatever the back six is for NYC, I have no idea. And, Atlanta United, in the attack, can mm-hmm. exploit whatever issues are there because there's going to be issues. or You just don't have enough bodies right now.
4: Hey, if I'm not 100%, I do not want to say Kill Barker coming right at me. And I don't want an, an angry Jose Martinez physical coming at me every single time, making runs, uh, probably talking a lot. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, Araujo on the other side. Uh, Getting in between, oh oh man! I mean, they they can definitely bring it up. And and what I just said, I mean, Atlanta does a great job at bringing up players upfield to make teams crazy defensively. Not all the time, not consistently. We we haven't seen it enough in in, in, you know ninety minutes of play, but in those portions, they can be effective. And in the playoffs, it's not about anything other than being effective when you need to be. And hold it up. And it's one game, go home. Atlanta has that ability.
3: When you look at uh, the other game in the West, because I think if we talk Philadelphia and Red Bulls, it might set the game back at least 15 years when we talk about it. But <laughs> Thank Portland, you. Yeah, Portland and Minnesota, Let, let's, let's put Philadelphia and Red Bulls off to the side. Portland and Minnesota. Minnesota finds a way in. Everything happens on decision day. They're a plus 260 in your, your Thanksgiving side items, uh, in your in your juice boxes. Mm. And Portland is at home, you know, a substantive favorite at a minus 103. They're just on the flip side of even money. Is Minnesota to you still a, a, a straight-up poser and a pretender here going to Portland?
4: Yeah, for me they're a poser. I might throw a 50 at that. I'm not going to lie and see if he hits both. You know, (laughs) but but I wouldn't go past $50. I mean, that's just the way it is Uh, because I think they are posters. I I think they, I don't want to say undeservingly because there is no such thing, especially after, you know, that 3-3 draw against the LA Galaxy. I mean, I'm going to be the first one to say that, that they played well, that they played to their strengths, that they were able to get that game underhand. Uh, that Reynoso, despite having a fantastic game, was able to get that through. Uh, I still believe in Um but I just don't think that they have the midfield, the discipline, the intensity, or honestly the, the firepower up top to go into Providence Park and beat the Timbers. The Timbers is, is a very versatile team. They can wait on you, play deep block and... Uh, counter you, they can possess the ball on you, they can pin you back there's a lot of things that Portland can do, they're not a fantastic team I'm not saying that, I just think that they're so well coached and throughout the season they use so many different concepts that they can go into this game saying hey what do we want to do, do we want to pin him back immediately as soon as this game starts put the pressure on, put the heat on force him to mistakes or are we going to wait back a little bit and wait for Will Trap to, as he does in every game, get out of position, get too high, not get to the back, and maybe play behind them. Uh, we know that they're not great defensively. So Portland just has too many weapons. They are too deep. They are too talented and too well-coached to lose this game. And, once again, Minnesota, to their own uh, weaknesses and strengths, they have more weaknesses than they do have strengths. And that's just from... Adrian Heath making the calls and, and subbing people on and off and strategy-wise as they showed us throughout the season, as well as the talent on the field. This is a Bello dependent team that I know for a fact, Gio Savarese knows that, and he is going to drive Bello crazy. Chara is going to be on him, like white on rice. He's going to be annoying. He's going to be Reggie Miller in this game. Watch. <laughs> Watch watch, <laughs> watch, Diego Chara be the Reggie Miller to bello and completely get him off the game. You'll see it.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one game we haven't talked about yet is Nashville and Orlando. This is going to be on the Tuesday along with the Sounders hosting RSL. Look, Orlando...
5: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And to get into this thing, they had a, actually an opportunity with the way things were going, potentially to host a playoff game, but they had to win to get in. They did it. They only lost once in the last eight games of the season, but they drew four of those. And when you start to get into this period of the season, you got to find some some W's here to advance or you're you're living with extra time and potentially penalties and look last year we watched orlando melt down in both playoff games emotionally in some of those moments um do you think orlando can go to nashville and advance
4: i don't uh i would like to and 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 i'm not saying that there is no chance because i mean the odds aren't awful but i do think nashville is uh Way too compact and difficult to break. And they have too much of an understanding of how they play for Orlando to beat them at home. If you go back to the Montreal game, yes, they win 2 0, but they do it late. And they do take advantage of the fact that Camacho ends up getting a red card. And that kind of gives into how more um, dominant they looked in the second part of that second half. Um, and in the first half, I thought Montreal played a better game. Um, Nashville is going to frustrate this Orlando team. I really don't think that DK is going to have a very good game on this one. Uh, If there's something that Nashville does well is that whenever there's a lone striker, uh, they not only double-team him, but they do not allow their forwards to get services in. So they completely take you out of the game. And if DK doesn't get balls in and he doesn't have that um, connection with with Pereira or or whoever's playing behind them, it could really make things difficult for Orlando, who don't have a lot of options in the attacking end, or or at least as as far as goal scorers go. So with that said, I just think Nashville is going to also take... DK out of play. Uh, I think they're going to make him greedy, uncomfortable, uh, and, and they'll win this game. They, they're just too true to their identity to not win this game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Zimmerman makes it really difficult for Daryl DK to impact the game, and I don't know really what else is there outside of something you know brilliant from Nani, but Nani also has to manage, I think, himself emotionally, and when he starts to have those freakouts like like we've seen everybody feeds off of it to the point that you saw you know Huan get sent off and Pereira get sent off in the playoffs last year I just don't know if Orlando handles the moment well enough in this I think they're talented enough to win but I don't think they're emotionally strong enough to win this game
4: yeah, and it's not just Zimmerman. I mean, you look at how yeah. they play defense and it's how probably. deep Godoy can play at times, and uh, they got some big boys back there. I think Meyer mm-hmm. he's a big dude, and so is Zimmerman, and, and they, they play off each other very well. And whenever they have to pack it in, that five-man backline is as sturdy and uh, not just compact, but they don't allow you to even get close to the box. I mean, they're just a very good defensive team. Um, and I think that Orlando's going to struggle with that. They're really going to struggle. And uh, Gary Smith has coached this team so well that if it goes down to it, they'll be going for the 1-0 win on this one. Now, can things change if they go to P.K.'s? Of course. P.K.'s sometimes can be a, 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 you know, a, a hit heads-up-tails type situation, 50-50. Um, so that would be, the, I think, one of the ways that Orlando can get in. If, if it's a 0-0, if it's a 1-1, and they get to the uh, peak because we know how Nashville has played throughout the season, a lot of draws. So if maybe if they go to the penalty kicks and that's how the game ends, perhaps Orlando can get in. But in 90 minutes or 180 or, or however it is on the field, it's not going to go Orlando's way. I I, I don't see it.
3: When it comes to overachievers and underachievers, and I mean it could be a team that's in the playoff picture for MLS, chasing after MLS Cup, who in your mind is the biggest overachiever this year and who is the biggest underachiever? Once again, it could be a team that made the playoffs that hasn't gone as high as we thought. It could be a team that uh, didn't make the playoffs entirely and completely flamed out. Who is your biggest overachiever and underachiever this year?
4: I think biggest Virtue is Vancouver, and I'm going to give mm-hmm. myself a tap on the back, even though perhaps my um, statements weren't consistent throughout the whole season because of the struggles Vancouver had. And Nico, uh, I think we had you know, it before France anybody
1: else in the country did, that, that we said Vancouver would make the playoffs.
4: I, yeah, and, and you know, early in the season, there were my dark horse that was going to kind of change things up in the, in the West, because you guys always put this great subjects uh, on the table and we talked about who could mess that regular eight or seven at the top of the West. And, and we talked about Vancouver. I think they did it. They've done it. They are the biggest overachievers. Yeah. They have uh, been able to put it together uh, regardless of changes of coaching, regardless of having to play away from Vancouver and Rio Tinto without their fans. I mean, there's so much that Vancouver had going against them that they are by far, without a doubt, the biggest overachiever in this one.
1: Yeah, you had them before I did. I, I bought into them when we started talking playoff picture in like July, August. And then they fired Dos Santos, and I thought they might have derailed themselves. But now Vancouver, easily the, the biggest overachiever. Um, I don't think there's any question about it. I think they can win their first-round game. All right, I'm going to end with you on this one, Nico. I didn't want to ask you first because I wanted to make sure you stayed with us for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, is Colombia going to make the 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 World Cup, Nico? Oh, let
4: me take a, another sip of my yeah. Colombian coffee here for a second. Yeah, if you uh-huh. need if you need
1: to throw some uh, liquor in that, go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> I
4: would if it wasn't a. Uh... A Thursday, uh, uh, and uh, you know, it would be wrong of me. Uh, it wasn't 8
1: o'clock was... in the morning. <laughs> nah, we're talking Colombia. You might need uh, it.
4: Look, uh, to be honest, I think they will. It's it's just hard yeah. because Destiny keeps giving it to Colombia. They, they Destiny wants Colombia to go to <laughs> the World Cup. Bolivia beat Uruguay 3-0. They, they did. did you a huge favor, they something did. that, man, you didn't think was going to happen. And yet, you go into your fifth game without scoring a goal. You're anemic on the offensive end. Reynaldo Rueda is debuting, guys, in a key game in Barranquilla with everything on the line. Come on. It's just, You're it out is awesome. So, this
3: is closed fist into second hand. This is where Nico yeah. is right now
4: it's just, I can't figure it out, man. I just, I can't. Look, the first half was good. Colombia was on the attack, and then they couldn't get the ball in. Borja had a bad game. I still don't understand why, I don't know why Renato would take out both forwards and just completely erase what he had planned, what he started the game with, when things were going well. Where at least you were creating chances, and then you change it all up, and then the team loses what they had going for themselves, and you get nothing out of it, and you go from a four four two to a four two three one, in which Zapata was getting barely any chances in. I mean, man, it was just it was just sad to see. So. I would say, and probably with my heart more than my head and mind and (laughs) intelligence and coherence, that Colombia will go through, at least in the wild card. At at least in the playoff. As the fifth. But it's not going to be easy. Peru is hot. They've been working for themselves. They are making an undisciplined uh, guy, a veteran who I don't even know how he's still playing soccer sometimes in Cueva. Just yeah. this great guy. Uh, and and they're getting it done. Uh, Gareca has these guys feeling themselves. They are playing with everything. And they're getting games. They're getting results. So it's, it's going to be difficult. It, it, it's going to be tight, though. I mean, everybody, even Bolivia at this point. Uh, that's what I was about to
1: say. It. Bolivia goes to Venezuela with their next game. That's a winnable game on the road for Bolivia. And then they host Chile. Like, Bolivia could be looking at a six-point window in January. Now, then, it could... I'm going to go ahead and, and warn you to, to mark uh, March 24th down on your calendar. It could come down to Colombia hosting Bolivia in the next mm. to last game.
4: Mm.
1: Nobody it, it, thought it's we'd be there.
4: It, <laughs> it is difficult. I mean, I, I think that looking at the, the, the schedules of the teams that colombia is playing against they have a very accessible uh, uh, i'm not saying it's easy i'm just saying it's accessible it's not very hard with the exception of having to travel to argentina yeah i I think that they can handle things uh but when you can't beat paraguay as awful as they've been in barranquilla it just makes you question everything it makes you question everything you just I cannot be sure that Colombia is going to take care of business at home against Bolivia when you can't score on Paraguay and you've got five games without scoring a goal. With James, with uh, uh, Zapata, Muriel, you got strikers in in, in in Italy playing well, you got strikers in Colombia playing well, and you still cannot manage to score a goal. Come on, man. And and by the way, anybody who ever said that James Rodriguez should not be in Colombia or should not be called up. It's just doesn't know soccer or they just have never seen Hamas play. He was great. He was uh, the most influential player throughout the first half. Uh, The creator, putting balls through, um, daring on the attack, shooting mid-range shots. He was great. Uh, Hamas Rodriguez with one hand tied behind his back and one foot as well. He's better than what Quintero did or Cardona did. So this guy just needs to continue to be there. And I'm hoping that as he gets more fit and he once again becomes a central piece of Colombia's attack, things get better because that's the only chance that Colombia has to get any more effectiveness on the attacking end. James Rodriguez becoming James Rodriguez of 2014 and putting this team on his back alongside Lucho Diaz and that's it.
1: Colombia Peru is the next game in January and that's four versus five in Colombia um whew. thanks Nico I, I like I said I wanted to end with that not start with it because I, I didn't know yeah. if you could handle the rest of the conversation if we started with that
4: sorry oh, no that's good I, I needed to get that out anyways uh, you know so it's it's all good I appreciate figured it be like it a always. therapy session for you yeah, no, it is, and credit guys to Ecuador, they continue to run with it, they continue to play well, uh, Alfaro was under a lot of pressure, the press wanted him out at some point, they had the issue with Cruyff coming in and not even oh, charging for, them for coming to Ecuador and going bye-bye, he didn't even get into talking to the players and he still got a check uh, and they were still able to put it together with Alfaro. They have great, talented player. Stupajani is a player that I see mm-hmm. in MLS soon. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that guy. I mm-hmm. see him coming in MLS. Um, so, yeah. So, props to Ecuador for just getting things done.
1: Nico, thanks as always, my friend. Uh, we'll talk next week after the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs are completed. And we'll look ahead to round number two. Thanks, Nico.
4: Thank you, guys. Have a good one.
1: You too. Yeah. Make sure you're following Nico El Rolo NW on social media. That's going to do it for us this morning. We'll be back at 6 o'clock tonight from New Realm Brewing in Atlanta. This will be our weekend preview show this evening. We'll go through all of the games in the MLS Cup playoffs. We'll look at some of the big games worldwide as well. We'll get you set for a busy, busy weekend. Again, programming note, no live show in the morning. If you don't get a chance to watch tonight, it'll be available both in audio and video form. You can watch it back in your normal slot, and you can have a watch party and, and yell at everybody, and we just won't be there to, to, for us to get those yells at. That's all. That's all we won't be yeah. there for. Um, but Mike and I will have a From Yankee Stadium show early on Sunday where we'll do a Q&A with you guys. It'll be before the lineups come out. But it'll be an opportunity to get the lay of the land ahead of that match. So one more show this week. That'll be tonight, 6 o'clock on Twitch, twitch.tv slash soccer down here. You can check the audio and video forms of the show live or on demand tomorrow morning in our normal slot. And be on the lookout for Countdown to Kickoff, which will be on the Atlanta United social media and digital platforms tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. We'll talk to you here in a few hours from New Realm Brewing. Hope to see some of you there. Much Platio.
3: Much platio.